0: And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 53. Again, this is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this very podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good friend... Matt Runquist! Hi, Travis! How you doing this week? Two
1: months, I watched The Impossible, and you listened, lucky you, to Joan Armitrading.
0: Yeah, it was kind of lucky me, but uh, you know, I, I and I dropped a little hint about this whole thing. But uh, what we should probably tell people is that this is our second time recording this episode.
1: Yeah, we had a, a little bit of a technical difficulty when we first recorded this episode. Didn't? Yeah, be, it was our my usual, fault. Well, what you know, whatever. I'm I'm not you concerned can't... with laying blame, but I will say that it wasn't up to our usual audio quality standards. And then life got busy for both of us, and we decided to take a little a little hiatus. And here yeah. we are,
0: yeah. back again, beginning of March.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, how Yeah, how are things?
0: yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, so so uh, my computer was giving me problems for a while, which we might have probably mentioned on the podcast. And then I uh, I just had an issue where my, and it wasn't even the computer's fault. I probably could have fixed it. And I think I did where I accidentally recorded the episode with the computer's microphone, uh, this little cheap, you know, MacBook air yeah. instead of my good microphone. And so that was the audio problem. Uh, but then once we encountered that, we just decided, you know what, let's take a little bit of a break. I've still been working two jobs. And, um, so I, I have been super busy and I have appreciated the break to be honest. But uh, now I'm excited to get back and and chat some movies and t uh, and songs with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, movies and not TV, but
0: not TV, not TV. Yeah. that's usually what I, my thing is: movies and TV, and your thing is music. And that's... yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Well, oh. how have you been personally in the last oh two months, my. Travis?
0: Gosh, it has been a crazy couple of months. Like it feels. Yeah, like we're going to have to go, go with
1: the very the very abbreviated version.
0: Abbreviated version. How's but Coco. Say, How how's Coco? Let's
1: I want to I want to know about
0: the dog. That's really what Coco important. is amazing. Okay, She's so good. She's knocked out on the bed right now because oh, we went to fantastic. the park today and I ran her uh, and, and played fetch. We've gone on two hikes this week made possible because I bought myself a new car. Nice. After two and a half years of not owning a car, I got myself a, uh, a Chevy <laughs> Bolt, Okay, which is not necessarily an endorsement of Chevy Bolt yet because I do have some issues, mm-hmm. but uh, it's, it's mostly a fine car. I, I do miss my, my Ford C-Max quite a bit, and man, if they made an all-electric Ford C-Max, I would be on that so fast. An E-Max, but, um, as, it, as it were. Yeah, oh, a Ford Emacs. Wouldn't that, th- th- the name is right there. It's right there. Oh, but um, so, so I did that. And then I also bought myself a new, bought myself a new computer, which uh, I'm using right now to do this episode. And it is a tricked out MacBook Pro, basically the most powerful computer that Apple makes right now. Uh, oh, because wow. although there is a Mac Studio uh, with a M2, Mac, or an M2 Ultra chip, this M3 Max chip that's in this MacBook Pro is almost as powerful and uh so although I guess I don't know how it compares to the Mac Pro but it's pretty nice and uh that made made possible by one of my jobs uh I've been working at the um at the Apple Store as a as a seasonal job and I've got a month and a half left on that okay and so um yeah uh, then uh and this is abbreviated we had the uh the the big doctor who convention the uh-huh. gallifrey one convention which we did last year if uh yep. eagle eyed listeners will um eagle-eared listeners yeah, sure. will go uh, with it e- owl-eared listeners cuz owls have great hearing Will remember from last year, and I did the uh, the big sketch show for that. Although I did take a step back, I didn't do any writing for it this year, and I uh, only did a few sketches rather than like three quarters of the sketches okay. that I did last year. But it was a really good show, so much fun. And then I uh, I actually had my first autograph sessions. At Gallifrey One, fun. where I sold copies of my book, I nice. sold posters and I sold um, you know stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, and then, this is the big news: I booked a role on a network TV ah, show. Wonderful. I can't tell you which one yet. It'll probably air in April, and I'll tell you then. But I will tell you that it is a non-speaking. Ah. Role, but I'm getting paid as a speaking role. Okay, because they needed someone to who had Bell's palsy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and so you have I Bell's palsy. The, I do forever. Yeah. So this is literally the role I was born to play. And that um, is that is true. That's true. Uh-huh. So I'm, uh huh. So i It's it's really cool. And and what's also funny is that as part of the role, they had to do a full face um, mold. Uh, A casting of my face which i've always wanted to do uh, where they put all that blue goo over your face Mm -hmm. and then all you have is a little two little like holes to breathe through and uh then they put like a second layer and then they put um like like it's it's not uh it's not um what is the stuff you put on a you make a cast from Mm -hmm. um paper machine no no uh what do you make cast from? Anyway, it's not—it's the new stuff. And so its uh, it hardens faster. And I think it's like um, made of... Is it a plaster? Plaster is what they make. Plaster cast, uh, right? Okay. So I, they don't do plaster anymore on the outside. I think they do um, the thing that sailboats are made from. Um, okay. Jeez, I don't know why I can't... Fiberglass where, or something? Fiberglass. Yeah, fiberglass cast. Like I, when I broke my wrist, they had a fiberglass cast, which was really okay. cool. Um, anyway, so they did that and... I was only going to be working one day, but still the pay for that is pretty good. And so Mm -hmm. um, I was like, great, two days worth of work on a network show, pretty good. And then they were like, oh, we actually need you for two days. And I was like, great, three days pay for a network show, pretty good. Because they have to pay me my day rate for the whole face cast Mm. session that I already did. And then they were like, actually, your two days are not going to be back to back. We need to have you on Wednesday and Friday. But because of that, they have to pay me for the day in between. Oh, So I'm getting four days On a network show, which is really good money. Well, that's
1: really... That's awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm
0: really excited. Um, uh, Since I didn't do any acting work last year, most... A lot of people didn't because of the strikes. And so um, it's really nice to start this year pretty strong. And hopefully, hopefully we can get more as the year goes on. Oh, also... Yes. This this show is probably going to air in April, and uh, the... The show I shot for Apple TV, which is called Sugar, is Mm -hmm. also going to air in Ah, April. April 5th, it's going to premiere. So, yeah, you know, listeners? I
1: saw, I saw they, uh, maybe it was on your IMDb or something. I, somehow I saw that it was public information now that you were going to be on Sugar. Maybe, or is that in your author biography or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yes. it's in there. It's in there. There we go. Because it yeah. is
0: an IMDb and so it is public knowledge. Okay. So I, uh, I've, I've been just going and saying that places, but it's finally going to air. And, um, so set your Apple TV subscriptions and, uh, get yeah, your I'll free have trials to, I'll have to get one, one now.
1: I'll have to get one now, yeah. and I'll make sure yeah. I'll make sure to sign up for that show. Like I'll try to get to that show, and then they'll be like, "You don't have a subscription." I'll be like, "Well, I want to sign up to see this." So nice. uh, hopefully they'll they'll see that engagement is driven by that. Uh, also, oh, nice. I my uh, hardcover copy of your book arrived, and Did it really, yes, and Pepper already uh, chewed on it a little bit, so just a little, just a little bit.
0: Okay. Okay. But I love what they did well, with the okay. paper, the pages, with the the on background the on
1: each of the pa- Yeah, that's very yeah, cool. Yeah,
0: me too, me too. So. And did you notice that on the inside cover, you have all the art too? Yeah, yeah, it's you very. Take cool. off the dust jacket. Book the dust jacket. Well, yeah. uh, enough about me. How the heck have you been? It's been. So I've long. been. I've been really,
1: really good. Uh, it's obviously a long winter here in Wisconsin, but it hasn't been. It's been our warmest winter ever. We have had like maybe a week and a half of truly awful, awful winter weather, which is, of course, when my parents both had to come visit uh, for – we had a big party for my daughter. She has a bunch of big life events going on. The most – important of which is that she got married, and we'll talk about that a little bit in a moment, Uh but yeah, my parents came from uh, South Carolina and Arizona, respectively, and they managed to arrive here right during the one week when we had just absolutely atrocious weather, Gi- you know, giant blizzards, zero-degree weather with nasty wind chills. It was... Uh, It was very, very appreciated that they came up for that. I have no intention of ever asking them to come back to the Midwest in the winter ever again. Uh, But honestly, it's been mostly in the the 40s here, all all the way through February and big chunks of January. So I I really can't complain about that. But yeah, my daughter got married uh, here at the Wisconsin State Capitol. I've, one of the things I love about Wisconsin is that the state capitol is always open to the public. Uh, mm. A lot of people from other states are very surprised because you go to the capitol building. It's a very dramatic 19th century, big dome, lots of marble, lots of granite. And they're surprised that you can just walk up to the building and walk in from any any entrance and you can walk around the building, you can go to the representative offices, which are right there in the hallway, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And and the Wisconsin State Capitol belongs to the people of Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. you're allowed to go there and uh, do what you will. And so they got married at the Capitol, and it was really, really beautiful.
0: Interesting. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think my dad got married at the Capitol on his current marriage, actually, and I was one of two or three witnesses. Oh, that's awesome!
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So it was it was really nice. Uh, they then went back uh, to France. Uh, Eve just went on a tourist visa, so she's back in the U.S. now. Uh, but hopefully, by the end of the year, she will get her marriage visa, and then she's going to move to France for at least a while. Uh, wow. So that that'll be a big deal. I'll have to get my passport renewed. I'm I'm coming perilously close to ten years here since I've been out of the country, so I need to make sure to get that renewed because it's a lot yeah. easier to renew it than it is to get a whole new passport. So
0: interesting. Good to know. Good to know. I did get mine re- renewed when I went to Japan, so I think I've got several years left. But ah, uh, good, good.
1: Uh, uh, I do need other to travel than. More. Other than that, we had talked a little bit about how I was going to do uh, "All Messed Up," which was uh, a show, uh, music show where they take sixty-four people and they divide them into sixteen bands at random. And yeah. I was going to play drums for for that, and I, I was having a great time. I wrote a song for it. We we practiced a bunch, and then the week of the show, I got COVID. I lost, yes, I lost my gold star at the worst possible time and uh, got COVID. And the worst day was show day, like in terms of symptoms, the worst day was show day. There was, obviously, I did not want to cause a super spreader event. And so I didn't get to do it. And it was a big, 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 big disappointment, but Mm. the, the band did, uh, play they did uh they did do my song that i wrote uh so that was really exciting and uh the organizer wrote to me and said you know you were there in spirit and everybody loved wow. your song and it was she didn't have to do that so that was really nice uh right. but yeah that was that was definitely a big disappointment and then oh, the last shoot, thing man. i know we're at 13 minutes already people no, 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 and no, i'm but sorry puppies? but uh well the puppies are great always you know although Rosa is on special food now which is apparently just old dogs end up with uh special veterinary diets so two of mm. our four dogs are on special diets right now so we have three different kibbles for four dogs oh, no yeah so mealtime is definitely uh A production around here But no, the last thing I was going to mention Is that there's this thing called February Album Writing Month It's sort of a sister event To the much better known National Novel Writing Month Uh, In February, you write a song every 2 days for the entire month and so you end up with 14 songs and i did it i i wrote 14 Whoa. songs yeah it's it's crazy I, apparently only about 20% of the people who sign up actually succeed so yeah. uh yeah so I, I succeeded uh the recordings are available on my soundcloud i'll drop a link in the um in the show notes and I hope – I some of the songs are really legitimately good. I'm pretty excited about this. Like there were definitely a few that were just kind of like tossed off, like I got to keep going, right? But mm-hmm. there's a bunch of them that I'm really proud of and I'll, I'm hoping to make full like Panko stankhold productions out of them. Uh, so – and of course there is a song called I've Got COVID because I got oh. it right in the middle of the month. So oh, – wow. Yeah. So – well, well
0: anyways, uh, you, it doesn't sound like your symptoms were too bad, uh, right? No, I had a 101 fever the one day,
1: which was not fun. As an adult, getting a fever that high is a deeply unpleasant experience. Um, mm. But other than that, the rest of my symptoms were, were not too bad. So Okay, well, that's good. And, I, that's and good. I recovered quickly, which is what they say about people who are vaccinated, is that, uh, you know, the... The initial part of the illness is typically pretty severe, but then uh, it clears up quicker. Eh.
0: Yeah, yeah. I need to get my... uh, I want to get the, the the bivalent. Co- yes, yeah, bivalent, bivalent. vaccine. I, I, it's been over a year since I've had my last vaccine, and I'm like, okay, I want to get it again. Yeah, you um, should be able to just go to a CVS or a Walgreens or whatever. Yeah, probably I'm going go to go to Ralphs has it, which or is Ralph's. our our, our, our grocery store. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I had to switch my my pharmacy from my. I have. The, I was doing my pharmacy stuff at the LGBT center because I was helping them. It helps sure. them get business, yeah. and it was just unfortunately too much of a hassle. So I switched it to the Ralphs that's near me, where I used to go anyway. So, all right, uh, there cool. was. A, I was going to say that um, the er, there is a song that we want to do that we're working on that yeah. uh, you sent me, and I do still want to do that, and I think yeah. that uh, my that will be. After towards the end of April, well, I'll. Did I a tell to, like, you that I'm that.
1: I'm bringing in I'm bringing in a ringer. I've got a producer friend of mine who I'm hopefully, nice. hopefully sometime in March we're going to work on a little more fleshed out version
0: for you to record to. So nice. No, you did not say that. I'm excited about that. That's great. And then one yeah. last thing on that. Um, do you remember when I broke my ankle at the state capitol uh, yes. with you? Yes, I do remember that. Um, yes. You're yeah. a wild man. I was a wild man. I broke my ankle, um basically choosing not to kill your uh, then fiance. Yeah. Or yeah. was she your wife at the time? Uh boy, I, I don't know. That was we yeah. were twenty, so I We think got it married was,
1: very young, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was the year that it was the it was the weekend I think that Titanic came out because I went to see uh, Titanic like later that yes. night.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh that would be that would we would have been married by that point then, yeah.
0: December twenty two December Oh I thought it was ninety. Uh, December ninety-seven.
1: Oh, then okay, we would have just been uh, affianced at that point. Yeah.
0: Affianced. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I decided to slide down a, a wooden banister at the state <laughs> capitol and it turns out those suckers are shone.
1: very slippery. Yeah,
0: they're very. slippery. So it was just too, a little too steep. And um, and then uh, the, it was on a one of those stairs that are wrought iron stairs, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. And uh, I I thought that I waited long enough for her to get out of the way by the time I made it down the banister. But no, I was no. shooting down that thing so fast. Yeah, my really... only option was to either was to either dismount and risk yeah. my own bodily injury, or or kill her. And yeah. so um, I decided not to kill your uh, fiance. So yeah, that was welcome. good. That
1: was good. Yeah, I think yeah. Eve owes you a thank you as well. Eve
0: owes <laughs> it, right, you're right. Yeah. You're it's. I think what we've nailed down is that Eve uh, owes her life to me. So uh, yeah, you're welcome.
1: <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> what do you say we uh, get into the Let's meat of the this meat. episode, Travis?
0: Absolutely. Let's meet it up. Uh, what do you want to do? Shake things up and do the music? Uh, There's no music shaking to first? do.
1: There's no tradition right now. It's This is a world with of infinite possibility. But I think that we should probably do the music first. All right. Well, tell me about Joan Armitrading. Joan Armatrading is a uh, female singer songwriter from the mid 70s into the mid 80s, was sort of the like really active part of her career. Uh, she's a black woman who was, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember which particular Caribbean island she was born on, but she moved uh, to England very, uh, very young, grew up in England, and then uh, started writing and producing music in the 1970s uh, I really really like her songwriting you know her her music is not very uh you know innovative or anything it just it's kind of like right up the middle like pop rock type of stuff but because of her story and who she is uh it's really it's really really good. one thing about Joan Armitrading is I kind of came to her pretty late in life. you know I had always heard her name that, and as like a really respected songwriter, and she's someone that other sort of more famous people would often reference in like interviews and things as somebody that influenced them or somebody that they really mm. loved, but I never really listened to her music, and I was going through records in a uh, antique store about two, two, three years ago. And I saw this record called Track Record, which is the assignment for this episode. And I picked it up and listened to it and absolutely loved it. Uh, Now, Track Record is sort of a greatest hits compilation from the late Mm. 70s and early 80s. And it's funny because that... That time in popular music was all about disco, and this is not disco at all. This is like guitar-based, maybe a little bit of keyboards. Uh, Oh, man, disco's good. But but nevertheless, I like how not trendy this music is. This is its own thing, and it does feel a little bit timeless a lot of the time. There's so many wonderful, wonderful songs on this list. Um but if I had to pick my favorite, I would probably say Drop the Pilot, which is the opening track, and then there's a song called Heaven, which is actually the opening track of the second side. You wouldn't know that because you didn't listen to the uh you didn't listen to the record. record. But right. I really I really really love a lot of this music. So Travis, tell me what you mm-hmm. thought.
0: Well, uh so this was a interesting experience because you know we have done this episode already, and uh, for that first recording, I'd listened to this a couple of times, and I had had I had said some things. I didn't go back and look at what I said the original time, even though I kind of wanted to, uh, but I also didn't want to. I wanted to come in fresh ish, and uh, but also the experience of having these things kind of in the back of my head, these songs and these these song. Uh, these these you know bits of music and then re-experiencing them it's like that thing where you have a smell that you love and you haven't smelled it for a while and then all of a sudden you you walk into a bakery and you're like oh, that's what bread smells like i don't know but that, it was <laughs> similar to that i really liked this music that's let me just say yeah. that um you nailed it when you said that it was kind of uninspired, I, you said something like it wasn't super. That's not the word you used, but that was the word that kind of popped into my head. It was very competent songwriting, but almost none of them have a a really good hook. Like mm-hmm. so, like what really exemplified the '80s mm-hmm. um, in this age is these the kind of rise of songs that had like this really cool hook that you remember Mm -hmm. immediately. So this didn't have many of those, but I will say um, that I enjoyed almost every song on it, and I enjoyed it more listening to it again, and I probably listened to it three times through this week. Holy cow! Well, because we also did push our recording once more, right? And so I listened to it on my hike on uh, Tuesday, and it was... um, I just really enjoyed it. Now... One of the things I remember saying, and I totally stand by this, is that her voice is a doppelganger for. Um, I, I just had the name in my head. Uh, the The lead singer for the Eurythmics, Annie Lennox. Annie Lennox, right? Yeah. Even though they're very different people, Annie Lennox is British, I think. Or, well, I mean, so something? is Joan Armatrading. Are they both British? Oh. Well, that explains it. I thought. Well, that he wasn't listening was... to my intro
1: very well, was he? Yes, yes. I, she, I, I, she moved to England at a very young age, and so her oh, accent so is I have that kind largely... of interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, that that does it does account for something, I think. But their vocal quality is also very similar, and the, the, yes. it, like a couple of times listening to it, I was like, "Oh, that sounds so much like Annie Lennox," except that you just didn't kind of get that like really, like, Here Comes the Rain Again, or Walking mm-hmm. on Broken Glass, or, or, you know, those kind yeah. of, like, real hits, you know? Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I suspect that my rating now mm-hmm. is going to be better than what I probably rated it the first interesting. time through. And you, it, I don't yeah. know if you kept track you of it, you'll that, have to let me know.
1: Yeah, that Annie Lennox comparison is really interesting, because, of course... Um, Joan Armitrading is also a member of the queer community. Uh, you mm. know, during the 80s, it wasn't super obvious, uh, although I think there were clues for people who knew what to look for, uh, which, you know, there was a lot of coded language back then, as, you know, you're aware. But... Uh, and Joan has been pretty quiet about her private life, but she got married to a woman in, the, I believe, the 2010s. And she's she does that songwriter trick that we've actually talked about with a fair number of queer songwriters, where because they're written in the second person, it's not clear that the object of their affection is also of the same gender. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that, I think we talked about and, that with the magnetic fields and Melissa Etheridge yep. very famously used
0: to do that. And yeah. Yeah, that's that is interesting. Uh, I did pay a special attention to uh, one of the songs that you had you took issue with, uh, which was the second song on the track called I Love It When You Call Me Names. Yeah, I love and, it when you call me names. And uh, I I really like this song. um, In well, that's one
1: of my problems with it. Is it's so catchy? It's such a good song.
0: Yeah, catchy song. And you took issue with the lyrics being kind of pro violence, like uh, like um, you know, it's kind of a um, like a.
1: Well, I would say the song is abusive.
0: Yeah, I would say it's abusive. Yeah, it is. But I think the interesting thing about it is it's it's a it's. Consensually abusive, right? I think that,
1: that you you came up with this read on this last time, and I was actually going to not bring this up at all because I think you're wildly, wildly wrong about this. But I have no, oh, see, I have no evidence I, for that. I, but yeah. now
0: that I've listened to it three more times, I think I'm wildly, wildly correct. Uh, but uh, I, again, I haven't read through the lyrics, but I've listened to it much closer several times and it's it's both people in this relationship like being beat up essentially or or like the guy likes being beat up physically and the woman likes being um like dominated verbally and um or the or the or the the singer does the 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 first person person and um And I think it's a kink. I think it's a song about uh, kinks. And I mean, it's not my thing, but uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum.
1: Yeah, I man, I think the less said on this, the better. okay. I, I I think that that is an interesting take, but I don't think it's right. So, you know.
0: That's fair, that's fair. Uh, listener, uh, I'm curious to hear what you guys think, actually, about this. So if you are listening to this and you want to check out uh, I Love It When You Call Me Names uh, from Joan Armatrading, and you can find the link to the playlist on the show notes, so you can get right there. Uh, and uh, listen to the song and let us know what you think, if you agree that it's a uh, it's problematic or progressive. Yeah. <laughs>
1: problematic or progressive (laughs) that's a good album title by the way problematic or progressive
0: that really is that really is uh you can have that you can yeah
1: i i might use it i might use it so anyways uh let's see anything else i do i do want to just call out uh the song heaven Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, i just love that song so much because it's got this this simple harmonic line that goes with in the in the chorus, where the the harmonic line is sort of descending, and she's going up at the same time, and they kind of meet in the middle, and I just absolutely love it um, because it feels like it shouldn't work, and it totally totally does. Um, mm. And and as a songwriter and a singer, I I'm just so impressed by that, where when you can make something like that fit together in a way I just love it and
0: And I love love songs and I'm really bad at writing love songs so there was no real weak link in this album uh when I was listening to it there was no song that came along that I was like oh this song again I'll get through it or skip Mm -hmm. it or whatever so uh I'll really give it props for that although uh, I think in the end it was um it was enjoyable in the moment Mm-hmm. And it was also enjoyable as kind of a sense memory experience, mm, but there was sure. no real song that I found myself singing after the fact. Okay, right? once I was once I was done listening to it, they were kind of they kind of all left my brain a little a little less so this time around because I was listening to them like three times in a row, and so mm-hmm. I did find myself singing some, uh, um, you know having little bits of music pop into my head from different songs okay oh one other thing i will say is that there were some songs that felt a little too similar maybe and i don't really have the examples but there were several songs several times while i was listening to this again where a song would come up and start playing and i'd be like did this loop because i have my i have my thing set to not loop right so once it ends it's supposed to end And i was like oh is this on loop because it just I thought it was taking me back to the beginning or something. But,
1: yeah, um, there. I think that that is a little bit of of a problem, sort of a genre problem. Uh, mm. You know that pop songs can often sound uh, very similar to one another. But yeah, I think that's a that's a fair read, and it's not. I don't. I wouldn't say it's overly harsh or anything.
0: You know, they these yeah, these songs do sound
1: of a piece.
0: Yeah, it doesn't uh, degrade its um, its appeal. I don't think it was just a. Uh, it's was, it, it was just something I noticed. Yeah. For sure. Well, Travis, do you want to give it a rating? Boy, I do. And um I this was a tricky one because I think that uh I almost rated it very very good, and I think I'm just going to rate it very good. Um and what does that <laughs> what does that look number-wise? Yeah, I think it looks like a 7.
1: A seven,
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: interesting.
0: Yeah, okay. I, a, a seven teetering on an eight.
1: Um, mm.
0: but if well, if if and I think maybe if that if there wasn't that um, Annie Lennox comparison out there, mm-hmm. I might have rated it better.
1: Uh okay, okay. Well, uh for me this is an 8. I really really dig this album and I really dig Joan Armatrading. I've been inspired to look into some of her other albums from enjoying this. I will say this is a best of compilation and it, it they largely did you know choose really some of the best tracks uh, uh, her other albums are good, but I think this is better, right? So for me, this is an eight. I really love it. Do you, Travis, want to know what you gave it last time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me. You gave it I an thought eight it was a last six. time. No, it was an eight. Really? You gave it an eight. <gasps> Travis,
0: how dare you? You can mute that. You can you can you can bleep that. I can mute I see it. See the yeah, bleep I is right bleep in that. the uh <laughs> It's right in the folder. <laughs> uh, shoot, that's uh, I. I didn't expect that I gave it that good of a rating. I must have been in a great yeah. mood. I mean, I'm not in a yeah, bad mood. You were now. in a great mood, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Is it too late to change? It is not no, too late I'm to stick change with seven. for you, Trevor. I'm stick with seven. Okay.
1: Well, now I'm going to have to go into my notes and change that. To sorry, a seven. Okay. sorry, but there I will go. say it's been a changed.
0: highly recommended seven. So for those of you listening, seven. definitely check out uh, this playlist. All right, cool. Yep,
1: Excellent. Well, Travis, why don't you tell me about The Impossible...
0: Yes, The Impossible is a uh, movie from 2012, and it is about the uh, experience uh, of a family during the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. Uh, Do you remember when that happened? In 2004. Yeah. Yes, of course. I do remember
1: when it happened. Uh, It was a horrible, horrible event, and it was hard to believe the numbers uh, coming out of the
0: south pacific because yeah. it's just like a hundred thousand people never... died immediately and it's like yeah. what you just yeah you, that the, that number of that amount of death is just in, incomprehensible so this movie is about uh one family's experience during that uh during that time and it's a uh, it's a family that's visiting the um area from uh they live in japan but they're essentially a white british family and mm-hmm. they um I guess a mixed uh, nationality. The father is, uh, uh, well, it's Ewan McGregor, so Scottish. Anyway, uh, but Naomi (laughs) Watts is in it. And uh, it also has uh, the feature film debut of Tom Holland, who you did not know last time. Yeah. Yeah. uh, He is the, he went on to become Spider-Man. Yes.
1: Yes. I knew that. Yes. Mostly because you told me last time. Yeah.
0: Right, and he, he, had, he had gotten his start doing uh, some West End music uh, theater. He played, uh, I think, Billy Elliot on, on stage and got discovered for this movie and is fantastic. So um, it's directed by J.A. Bayona, B-A-Y-O-N-A, and he is actually a Spanish uh, director. And this is technically an English-language Spanish film, which yeah. is weird
1: uh it's but, a really uh, it, strange choice and you know i mean you know why it's a spanish film no well because oh the because family the family Sp- because that, the
0: original family yeah. is spanish
1: yeah yeah yes. so it's 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 a really odd choice that they would it, choose to like white white yeah, yeah. sure. So we'll go with that. Anglicized the, the family. Anglicized. There you go. The yeah. family because it's a Spanish film made about a Spanish family's experience, and they decided to, I guess, go for a broader or whiter, richer audience. Uh, yeah. by making it uh, white folks.
0: So that Which was, is, yeah, that's you're interesting. Right. Yeah, that's fascinating, Uh, and I will say that the um, it works to me. It's such a i I, the experience of watching this movie is incredibly powerful. It's uh it's a tough movie to watch. It is uh the 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 experience of this family is um is just just hard. But I will say it's got a happy ending, which I'm a fan of, and uh, to me it makes a great hero's journey story. Um, so Matt, what did you think? Yeah, I would agree with everything you've said so far. This
1: was a really, really tough watch for me. Uh, it's just not in the wheelhouse of the type of things I enjoy. It's a disaster. It's a family sort of being torn apart and and subjected to some pretty tough stuff. Uh, there's, death and destruction all around all these people there's a lot of really really rough things that happen and yeah there there's absolutely a happy ending and there's absolutely you know you the whole mr rogers look for the helpers thing there's people everywhere that are helping uh survivors with no expectation of any kind of reward or anything and that that's all really good but this is this is a tough watch and But it's also like a really great achievement, right? The budget on this movie is not through the roof. I mean, it was a big budget film, but it's not like a crazily expensive movie. And the action sort of, I guess, are they really action sequences? But the tsunami sequences are really almost unbelievable in terms of the way that they draw you in and make it clear how little control you have over anything when right. you're swept up by this wave. Um, so I really, I really, yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, I I was about to say I really liked this, but I didn't like it. I, I hmm. had a really hard time watching it, right? Interesting. But it was a really good movie. And I'll probably say this again before the end of the podcast, but I don't know how to feel about something that I... No is intellectually is a really good movie that I didn't like the experience of watching, right?
0: I I at some point I would love to uh, dive further into that to understand yeah. your um your movie going and movie viewing preferences, I think, because uh for me One of the reasons I love going to movies is to be moved, not only to kind of be transported out of my life a bit, but also to be moved in some way, whether it's moved to laughter or moved to tears. And there are certain things that I definitely don't like. I don't like uh, nihilism or uh, nihilism, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, Things where uh, we talked about the end of Cabin in the Woods, where it just, you know, that the ending... basically said that human you know nothing matters or uh, there's a movie called um the gray or uh, wolf puncher um but with Liam Neeson and mm-hmm. the ending of that or or uh, Cormac McCarthy's the road you know movies that kind of like nothing matters i don't like that but this movie as hard as the journey is to watch it it's a it's a journey that leads somewhere and the it's it's cathartic to me and um Man, I cried several times while watching this movie and I kind of enjoy that uh I kind of enjoy that like in a way that you don't and I find that fascinating. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I would agree. I like I I am a crier for movies for sure. Uh and there are, there are even times when I, you know, would say that that is like a good experience sort of abstractly, but for for something like this, I think Maybe, you know, I hate people who pull the parenting card, but, like, maybe it's because I have a daughter. And, like, it's really, really tough for me to watch this family be sort of torn apart. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's really, really affecting. And, of course, you – I think the movie does a good job of showing both the – damage that this family sort of goes through but then also it doesn't ignore the fact that tens right. of thousands or hundreds of thousands of other people are affected by this right uh, which I think is a really neat trick right because I don't think you could fault this movie for making the choice that hey we're gonna focus on this family and this is the story we're gonna tell like this it does tell the story of the tsunami really, really well, too. not just the yeah. story
0: of this family, exactly. And I think it, it it one of the benefits of choosing this family is that you have a family that is used to this level of, you know, creature comforts and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a more of a fall. Than if you have uh, then you know f- focusing on people who are already poor, but then also the flip side is that then having those native people scouring the countryside looking for survivors when they themselves have been rooted out of their homes, um, mm-hmm. it, it was and it's a true thing. That's a thing that happened. Like anybody that survived was helping other people, and um, yeah, in in just in the in the midst of this unimaginable death there was so much i w- i don't want to say life but um life affirming behavior mm-hmm. right yeah. and so um it's kind of one of those things that makes it like oh yeah well humans humans do step up when they need to um yeah and yeah so i uh so you mentioned the budget the budget was about 45 million dollars, and it made about Two hundred million dollars in yeah. the box office. It was nominated for uh, several Academy Awards. It, uh, I feel like it was probably, it was probably worth, um, you know, worth some more than it got. But um, let's see. I'm just trying to f- uh, see if it uh, actually won anything. Um, it got nominated for Best Actress but not, but it didn't win, and uh, that's it, I guess. Wow, just Naomi Watts, who was brilliant, by the way. Her performance is just heartbreakingly just genius, uh, I thought.
1: Yeah, sort of. I would say the three really, really well-known actors from this all do a really fantastic job, you know, especially, I would say, Ellen McGregor's character behaves in ways that are like not entirely rational a mm-hmm. few times but he does a really great job of selling that and making you believe the character would do that it's, it's sure he's doing something nonsensical but it's not like in a horror movie where it's like he's doing something nonsensical so that the killer can kill him. It's he's doing something nonsensical because of the extremity of the situation that he's in and the yeah. extremity of the emotions that he's feeling. So yeah, I really loved that. Tom Holland, I think was very good. I don't know that he like, I, you said he was amazing in this and I, I would say he was a good child. Amazing actor for a 12 year old. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think he was a good child actor. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is I would not have watched this movie and been like, that guy is going to be a huge star in 10 years.
0: Maybe, right? maybe, yeah. Sure. You know,
1: because you see so many great child actor, uh, uh, frankly, just even on this podcast, we've watched a bunch of like really great child actor performances who don't go on to do, you know, anything. So.
0: Yeah, no, I suppose that's true. Uh, I do also think there's a ton of bad childhood, child actors that we haven't watched because we don't watch those movies. But uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's I, there are, me, man. Yeah, there are a <laughs> couple of moments here. One of them in, in, involved the children um, and the moment when the brothers find each other yeah. just tears me apart. And just hearing the boys scream their brother's name over and over again as they as they spot him from across the parking lot, just that, which is filled with... You know, p- uh, patients. I want to say, and uh, and, mm-hmm. and victims, um, and they're just screaming his name at the top of their lungs, and uh, just somehow something about that really tears at my psyche. And then yeah, the other it's moment... funny. I oh, I, th-
1: I thought that move. I thought that moment was going to be a fake out, right? I thought yeah. that
0: there was going
1: to be like a a missed connection right there, and then there would be like a little you know, quick conclusion later where they did all find each other. So the movie snuck up on me a little bit there by them actually getting, you know, I thought that was going to be like a near miss. So yeah, uh, I will uh,
0: say that I I kind of expected it there too, because that's the way movies work. Right. But, uh, they didn't do that to us really. They didn't have those moments where the character walks right by and, uh, and didn't, I mean, they kind of did a little bit with the husband and the wife, but, um, but they eventually all found each other. Right. They, um, there's the other moment where the husband has to call home and they're, he's in a circle and someone in the group has a, has a phone and they're trying to preserve battery life. This is 2004, remember, when everybody had these little flip phones that had no battery life and someone gives them their phone, just make one quick call. And so as soon as he connects with his father-in-law, I think, or father, mm-hmm. he breaks down and can barely talk. And he's like, I'm, but I'm sorry, I've got to give the phone back. And he basically hangs up on the guy. Yeah, because he's being so sensitive about using this other victim's phone, and the other guy who owned the phone gives it back to him and says, "No, you can't. You can't end it like that." Yeah. And, geez, just even just talking about that moment is just such a. Oh, I can't. Uh, I don't know, that's Ewan McGregor. I thought his his performance also was brilliant.
1: Yeah. No, he did he did a really good job, and and Naomi Watts was fantastic as well. So and And, like I said, I think the direction on this was was really great i don't you know I don't know whether to blame the director or the cinematographer or both, but I did think that there were moments when like because this is a very like closely observed movie where there's a lot of close ups of people's faces, and there's just a few moments where they have a dolly shot or a a crane shot rather where you're like up close to people and all of a sudden you pull back and you see like the scale of the destruction or the scale of the hospital and all the people everywhere and you wonder how could anyone find anything in this chaos, right? Right. And they don't overdo it. It's probably three crane shots in the whole movie, but it does such a great job of centering – that experience inside the wider frame, and I
0: I did really like that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's I I don't know who, who who did that either, but uh yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So um, okay. Well, you didn't enjoy the experience. Um, no. W- w- why don't you go ahead and? uh give It's it a funny because
1: I'm I I'm listening to myself talk about this movie, yeah. and it sounds like I really liked it, right? It does. But I didn't really like it, you know? Oh, my gosh. Okay. But. No, but I are we are we rating now? Yeah, yeah. Why, you, what do you, okay. what do
0: you, why
1: don't you go ahead and give it a rating? So I went back and forth on this because in terms of my enjoyment, this is a lower than average amount of enjoyment. But I recognize that this is a really good film and I recognize that the performances are really good in it. And so I am going to sort of overcome my own biases about this and say that this is an eight for me. It's really good. Wow. I'm not I'm not going to watch it again, but I you know, that's that's because it's tough. Sure. <laughs> it's tough to sure. watch, but it's a it's a really good movie and if you haven't seen it, it is a really really I think entertaining and educational without being like didactic movie. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's that an, makes
0: sense. That's good. Uh for me, I I'm gonna give it a ten. Like uh I, I'm pretty sure I gave it a ten last time and I just thinking for a movie to be able to move me so much this far after having seen it just from thinking about moments in the movie is uh to me spectacular. And what's more, there is no part of this movie that I didn't like. You know? There you know, sometimes there's movies where you're like, um, ah, but I disliked this actor or this script or, you know, this moment was just didn't really work. Or for me often the ending. But mm-hmm. every part of it to me, I think, is uh is perfect. So well um, that's awesome.
1: It. Yeah. I will I, I will also ding it for the replacing the Spanish family with a white English family for the the i would say the thinnest of reasons right like i understand that there's not as there's not a ton of stars especially in 2012 that are as big as ewan mcgregor and naomi Mm -hmm. watts they were kind of both pretty pretty hot in their careers at that point but i still think that there must have been you know spanish actors or or American actors of Hispanic extraction that could have also knocked these roles out of the park and it wouldn't have it wouldn't have felt so weird.
0: Okay. That we had a Spanish right.
1: movie with English people.
0: Yeah. About no, Spanish enough, people. I, I get that. I think that that is not so much a uh, I I can't fault the movie for that. That's more of a I don't know production uh, problem. Cold but, um,
1: financial calculation, I think, is probably what
0: was going on there,
1: and they were right. Right, it made two hundred million dollars on a forty million dollar budget. So exactly, exactly.
0: Excellent. Well, what have you got for me for next week?
1: So I debated about this because I have made this assignment already, and then I, you know, listened to uh, the music involved. And, uh, but now we've gone through two months and I, I almost decided to reassign it, but you know what? I am going to give it to you. Uh, I'm going to give you the Neo Soul group, St. Paul and the Broken
0: Bones. Hmm. St. Paul and the Broken Bones. Have you heard of them them. in the last two months? No, I haven't. (laughs) I did not i d I didn't I don't remember the name from, from the first time we recorded this, to be honest. I actually
1: I actually don't know a whole lot about them. I just know that uh so they're part of the Neo Soul movement that, you know, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings and uh Fitz and the Tantrums are both kind of part of. And St. Paul and the Broken Bones, right? It's the same naming scheme that's a very, you know, kind of popular thing in the in the Neo Soul movement. But they they have a lead singer who's absolutely uh, you know Really, really fantastic singer, and I really enjoy when their songs come up in my uh, in my sort of random feed. And I thought I would give you their debut album, uh, hmm. which I'm definitely remembering the name of right now. It's called Half the City.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's thirty nine. It. It's thirty
1: nine minutes long, so it's not it's not too bad.
0: That's easily digestible.
1: Easily digestible.
0: What do you have for me, Travis? I'm going to give you... Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, well, a couple of episodes ago, which was now <laughs> months ago, we did something fun uh, and watched a Ryan Reynolds movie that we both kind of enjoyed, and, uh, and we both go like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is a cool guy. So I'm actually going to give you another Ryan Reynolds movie that I enjoyed. It's a little... It's a movie that is just shouldn't be as good as it it was i I wouldn't even say good but i shouldn't have liked it as much as i did because there's so much about it that feels trite uh Mm -hmm. but uh, but i watched it again recently and really enjoyed it and uh, it's a movie called free guy and in this movie ryan reynolds plays a um a, a character in a video game but Specifically, the non-playable character in the game. So, if you're playing a game like uh, Grand Theft Auto or whatever, Ryan Reynolds is playing one of the characters that you interact with, that you pass by on the street. And uh, okay. his, his name is Guy. And um, and this is the movie. This is the movie about him g- gaining. I don't know life. I suppose. Um, yeah. And so it's interesting. It's it does fall into the this this trap that Ryan Reynolds movies tend to fall in, which I didn't like in the sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard, where he he plays a guy who just can bounce around and get thrown out of buildings and cars and and just be fine. Mm-hmm. So this is that. But it works here because he's a video game character, because and it works in Deadpool sure. because the character specifically is essentially able to regenerate, you know, from anything. Um, okay. So I, I, I'm I'm really curious to see if you like this. It's fun. It's uh, loosey goosey, and I just wanted okay. to give you something to contrast the uh, hard emotion of The Impossible.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds, have you, are you familiar with Welcome to Wrexham? Have you, has that come across your I, your I am familiar with it. I haven't watched any of it. Um, so uh, Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia mm-hmm. uh, became a uh, fan of English football, which is to say soccer. And he realized that uh, in English soccer, uh, all of the, all of the teams exist on the same ladder, and at the top level, the teams who do the worst every year go down to the next level, and the teams that do the best every year go up sure. to the next level. I have and so, watched uh, Ted Lasso, so. I'll oh, okay. Much. Well, there you go. And so Rob McElhenney uh, wanted to buy an English football team, and, and he uh, identified the club Wrexham, which is a Welsh club. That has sort of a, a sort of semi glorious history, but not super awesome. And uh, he invited Ryan Reynolds to help him invest in the club because, as Rob says, sometimes he's like, "I've got money, but I don't have Ryan Reynolds' money," because uh, Ryan Reynolds is very famously an investor in like a cell company, and he's got all kinds of income streams that have nothing to do with acting. Anyways, so one of the ways that they monetize this idea is by making a Hulu documentary about their purchase of the club and, and their attempt to get promoted up to the higher levels of the league. Mm-hmm. My wife, who has no interest whatsoever in soccer, loves this show, Welcome to Wrexham. There's two seasons now. Uh, and if you have the time, I really highly recommend it. It is... Uh, it's moving, it's funny. The interactions between Rob and Ryan are both uh, they're, they're very funny guys naturally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they're probably saving up some of these lines at times but uh, and then of course the the sporting stuff is really good too. And if you watched Ted Lasso and enjoyed that, uh, I bet you would really enjoy welcome to Wrexham so.
0: I'll 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 look into it. I I do I do tend to shy away from um reality TV, but uh uh yeah, I, there's nothing about this that I don't particularly dislike, so uh I, I would
1: think. I would give it I would say give it one episode. And if it doesn't hook you, then it doesn't hook you. That is a you promise know, that I, do, I can make, sir. Yeah, this is not one of those shows where it's like Oh, you just have to watch the first season and then it gets good, right? Okay. Which is what people always used to tell me about Breaking Bad. And I was like, oh, I am not watching Bad eight is so hours until. Oh, nah. well I'm uh, not watching
0: eight hours of television waiting for it to get good all right well uh, listeners if you are uh, listening to or watching welcome to rexham let us know and if you have any other recommendations especially if you have recommendations for me for music that you think now having listened to us for a year do you kind of have my tastes pegged and you think there's a perfect band let Matt know by emailing us at exposing ourselves podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on our Facebook page just by searching for exposing ourselves. And uh, let us know what you think of today's uh, picks as well. Did you agree with our ratings? Did you disagree? Uh, Today's, I think, we're rated pretty well, so we didn't have a whole lot of uh, disagreement today. I like that. Yeah, no, we didn't. Hey, Travis, it's really good to be back. I'm really glad that we're back on the horse here. Yeah, me too. Thank you for exposing yourself to me.
1: Well, anytime, man. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. My pleasure.